Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman. PK, how are you tonight? Absolutely melting in this Arizona heat. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. Well, I know we're both so excited because this is our very first show on Inception Radio Network. And a big thank you. Fabulous. It It is is. so exciting. That's why I have to laugh. I'm saying the Arizona heat has got me all primed, but it's the show that's making it all happen. I'm so excited. It's great. It is great. And a big thank you. We want to say a big thank you to Joe Champion, to Bob, to MJ, and to Renee at Inception for making this happen. This is a wonderful transition for us. We are thrilled to be here. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Renee, for helping us to change over to the fabulous Inception Radio Network. We're happy to be here. And we hope all our Blog Talk listeners made it over. PK, I hope they did. Now, oh, I hope so. We put out enough information, but we're going to keep priming it for the next week or two till they realize that we've moved. We have moved to oh, a better yes. place. Bag and, and baggage, we're out of there. <laughs> we are out. So there are many ways to listen to our new show. All of you can just go to SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com to find out how to connect with your smartphone, your landline, or computer. Also, there's instructions for how to join our chat room discussion. And there is a new phone number to call if you have a question or comment. And it's a toll-free number. Yippee! 888-919-2355. And again, that is 888-919-2355. Go to SupernaturalGirls.com and get all the other instructions there. Make it easy to connect with us. Also, be sure to sign up for our Supernatural Girls newsletter, The Fringe Files. That will keep you up to date on our upcoming shows, our giveaways, and more. So, oh my goodness, tonight, tonight, we have... Yes. Ugh, what a wonderful guest, my God. Now, you know, PK, we've had some incredible incredible guests on Supernatural Girls Radio over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But tonight's guest is extraordinary. Definitely extraordinary. that. Extraordinary. And we are so honored to have her here with us. Now, we could list all of her accomplishments, but <laughs> it would take up the whole show. I so, know it. I cannot believe that she's written so many books. 36 plus books, stories, plays. She even had a movie made, a Hollywood movie made out of one of her books with starring major A-list talent. This Patrice Chaplin is amazing. And we're going to give you a tiny summary of all of her accomplishments. And before we bring Patrice on and to talk about portals, mysteries, Howard Hughes, the stone cradle, and how to open up our own psychic abilities, we got to find out about our numbers. 
What is mm-hmm. going on with the numbers? What are we going to look forward to tomorrow? Well, this whole month has been about accepting change. Good to bad, bad to good. <laughs> I've yeah. had some of those. <laughs> and tomorrow is going to be a day that is equally the same because the day and the month are identical. So we are going to be bombarded with all kinds of interesting things. So for those of you that are doing things too quickly and in a hurry, you better put a pillow behind your backside because you might be sitting on it. Uh-oh. And be cautious of your driving, but not so much your driving as much as watching that of other people because everybody's in a hurry. You can see them a lot better than they will see you. So be cautious. That's have right. eyes in the back of but your head. It, oh, yes. And if you're a gambler, oh, wow, what a day, what a day. Because it's all about being a risk taker and a bit of a gambler for the month. And the day just adds another glow and another actual space that you could do a double di- double dipping in it. We'll put it that way. So I could win the lottery tomorrow, huh? You could. Will you? Buy my t- Probably I'm not. I've my seen t- your chart. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> I'm buying my tickets. <laughs> That's the whole thing. If you think you got something good going, buy one. If you're going to win, the one would do it. Okay. So we don't okay. need to go crazy with a ton of tickets here. All one right. But buy one for me, good. too. I will, of course, of course. And I do, I'll do the same here. Oh, good. Well, then we have to take care of each other. You know, oh, we got to look out for each other here. My goodness me. Well, hey, I'm not traveling alone. You're going no. with me. <laughs> Happy to be your traveling companion, especially with lottery winnings. Why not? Why oh, not? yes. Even better. Yes. Well, again, we have an extraordinary guest tonight, Patrice Chaplin is an internationally renowned playwright and author. Again, she's published more than 36 books, plays, and short stories. Her works include Albany Park, Siesta, Darkness, Into the Darkness, Laughing, Hidden Star, Night Fishing, Death Trap, but my favorite, The Portal. Oh, my God, do I love that book. And if you guys haven't read it yet out in the audience, you better go to Amazon or wherever your local bookstore is by the portal. It is a magnificent book. And also she has City of Secrets, again, all paranormal adventures. Mm-hmm. Patrice is an intuitive also, very talented, clairvoyant. And so she writes, she really draws you into that whole incredible world. She has a new book coming out called The Stone Cradle, which you and I have previewed. Oh my God. We're going to be talking about that one. And also The Fortune Seller, which is out. And I mean, my goodness, see what I mean? I could just keep talking about everything Patrice has done and we never get her on the show. So how about this? Let's bring Patrice Chaplin onto the show with us. Patrice, welcome to Supernatural Girls. Hi, welcome. <laughs> welcome <laughs> to my life. Um, <laughs> it's good talking to you. Um, it's sort of like middle of the night here in London. Um, I'm very happy because I'm a night person, so that's great. Um, and I'm so, so sorry it's so hot and we've got to watch our driving tomorrow, but otherwise, fine. <laughs> well, that's good news. And thank you so much for staying up so late to talk to all of our audience. I mean, I know people have been emailing all day. They're so excited to hear from you. And we wow. have so much to talk to you about. I barely know where to begin. I mean, you are right in the thick of everything with the Renle Chateau, 
mystery, the grail, the stone cradle. I mean, your life's path has been amazing. So you must feel so guided, so inspired with all of these topics and this this great European adventure that you're on. Well, I, in a way, yes, Patricia. I'm, I'm, I am. I think I have been guided. It started a long time ago when I was 15, and I went first into Girona in Spain. That's in northeast Spain. It's in just near the Pyrenees Mountains. Um, if you know, people want to know where that is. It's the mountain range between France and Spain, and Girona is an ancient city. At the time, they said it was 4,000 years old, but it turns out that there are um, bones and and there's proof that it was at least 25,000 years old. So every time I go there, I get older, but so does the place, you know. So I I feel (laughs) over the time that those stone walls and I have both, uh, we both, kind of grow together um but i was there you know when i was 15 and that was the beginning of the journey it seemed like i had no other other perhaps no other option because i fell in love i fell in love with the man there he was a poet he's a catalan nationalist jose i've written about him quite a lot and i mean you can write a lot about him he's enigmatic he's charismatic he was a very brave Catalan nationalist in the war against Franco. I mean, he wasn't in that war, but he certainly took care of things afterwards. Um, He seemed to be a man without fear. Um, I felt an immediate familiarity with him, as though, I mean, our souls really did touch, if you if, if you'll excuse that expression. but oh, No, it's perfect. Yes, yeah, it is. I feel that he and I were... Actually, we 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 were meant we were meant to do this journey together. It took a long time to realize that um, he was born into it. I just arrived in it, but it included, as you've pointed out, all those places like Rennes Chateau. It's the stone cradle, and it's even further afield than that. And what is more about Girona is the number of people that have been there. People I've never heard of it. But if one said Howard Hughes, for example, had been there, that's quite a big name. Mm. Um, And I feel Otto Rahn, that's a German, he's a German writer. I think he went with Howard Hughes. He did go with Howard Hughes to Girona. There's been, Jean Cocteau was there. Salvador Dali lived nearby. So uh, there's a... um, well, actually, the films were made there, like Pandora and The Flying Dutchman. That's Ava Gardner. Elizabeth Taylor went there because she was filming Suddenly Last Summer. So there was always things happening around that place. Well, it's amazing, again, with your experiences in life, that you have found such a profound spiritual path because you went on your own initiation journey which was dangerous i mean some people that went on the same journey did not survive and you did it yes are we talking about the earlier one when i went when i was 15 because that was the good one <laughs> that was, oh, that was the a journey. good one <laughs> yeah with my friend beryl i mean we we were we were travelers we wanted to be gypsies i mean we were gypsies i mean we left 
the suburbs of London and we we hitchhiked, which one didn't do in those days. Um, this is in the late 50s, you know, and we went down to... We, we went through France. We met... Um, Jean-Paul Sartre, who was, you know, a, a man who was um, a very acclaimed academic, and Simon de Beauvoir when we were in Paris. Now, we didn't know who these people were, but a lot of people were gathered around them every morning at 11 o'clock in the De Magot Café in Paris. And, you know, they said... To us, we, our French, my friend Beryl and I, our French was pretty poor, but we, we got along. And they said we were ex existentialists. And that was kind of interesting. And we, we wondered what that was. And they said, well, you have no past. You don't worry about the future. You live in the minute. And we thought, well, that's good enough. And that was our <laughs> ID. And isn't that um, interesting because that's fabulous. what so many people aspire to, to be in the moment. And here you were doing it so naturally. But let me ask you, because you, we mentioned, we talked before, and I know our audience is awaiting the word on this with bated breath. We talked about portals. And you've had the experience in the Renle Chateau area in Girona of natural portals. Can you tell us what exactly is a portal and what did you experience there? Mm, well, a portal is, is where the, the, the planet, where the earth and the atmosphere is thin and there's a passageway through which you can go to other places. I mean, you can't go with your gravity-ridden human body. You're going with your astral body. You're going. You're focusing with your conscious mind, and you're going through the portal. Your, your body's outside. That's the important thing. It's like going through a doorway. Once you get to the other side, all bets are off because you're carried on that journey. It's like um, my guide said to me, forget all about control. Just, no, she said, forget all about control. Belief would be a better ally. And how mm. right she was. And it's a bit, in a way, what is it like? It's like going on a fairground ride. Now, when I went with Beryl, I'm, on that journey, I mean, with Jean, after Jean-Paul Sartre given us the idea and all the rest, we hitchhiked down to Spain, to the Pyrenees, where we went through the customs. And one of the soldiers pointed to the mountain. And we said, well, what is up there? And he said, huh. The portal, you look as though you both have come from there. That was the first time we heard about it. And we were dressed in artistic bohemian clothes, which they'd never seen. So they thought, this, these two people are incredible. They must be ETs or something. <laughs> so um, they, didn't, they didn't know what to do with us. And we, we said, well, what is the portal? Is it a club that we've somehow missed on our trip? Because we went to all the clubs and danced and so on. And he said, no, they, the, the people from the portal, they don't come from around here. That was the first we heard about it. So then fast forward a lot of time and I'm having the portal experience, which I, I wanted to do and dreaded. It was like going in for an operation, you know, do you do it or not? Wow. Spin a coin or just go for it and say, all right, do it. But we, I did it. And the thing about it is, let me say fairground ride, you speed through your 
life very fast. It's like a little skin compared with the previous stuff that has gone on. Then you go into other times, other places, and it becomes more vivid the further you go. Now, people who are seriously, let's say, a serious adept who've done a lot of spiritual preparation for this, they can go they can go into other intelligences, other other galaxies. I mean time time has no has no relevance here. And space is something which is like it doesn't have what how we see it. What is out there is a different measurement altogether. So that's the first thing I learned. And also when I came back from that experience, I realized I had no fear. But um, I'm afraid that comes back to some degree, not with all the ones who do it. Well, this is quite an adventure. I mean, and you talk about you need preparation for it. And in your book, The Portal, you also wrote about some people who tried to make this journey and didn't make it through. I mean, didn't live. They actually no, died. they didn't live. They died, yeah. So this is a very... I mean, they didn't get back to their body. There were two things. One, they didn't do the preparation. So when they went into the portal space, they imploded. I mean, their, their, their body... They couldn't. They couldn't do it. Second, they didn't come back to their body in time. They went on the astral plane. You know, you know what that is in that oh, journey. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. And so the important thing was to get back in time and to always remember your north. They said always go back to the north because if you go to the south, you're going to death. So it's very important. You had to have some consciousness and awareness about yourself when you were in this in this position of going through the portal. You couldn't just go. Well, you could go, but then the chances were you wouldn't necessarily come back. If you didn't come back in time, your body would not exist. So that would be that. You were termed, well, termed dead. And quite a few people, unfortunately, that's what happened you need Incredible. a very good guide, a very powerful guide to show you how to do it. I mean, an earthly guide here on this earth to show you, teach you, and put you through the process of the journey. And you talk about being prepared, Patrice, for this. Are you also talking about uh, cleansing yourself emotionally so you don't walk through with shame and guilt and anger, some of the baggage that we generally carry on an everyday basis? Absolutely. I mean, she, the guide, my guide, she was called Lillian. She said immediately, she said, it's better to clear it all now, because if you go with just one element, one spot of the negative qualities you were just talking about, if you went with just one of those, hell would seem like a pleasant place compared with what you'd meet if you went through the portal carrying that stuff. Oh, so wow. all of it had to be dropped. Wow. She gave a very severe warning. And I, I, I took that very much to heart. So I even did what she said after a bit. At first I was resistant because it didn't make sense that I should give up everything. That seemed a bit unfair. But after being with her for maybe 10 days, I saw the point. And this lady had done it. She'd done it many times. And, you know, the amazing thing about it was she didn't 
look anything like her age. She was ageless. Now, when she died, she was over 90, but she was amazing. Very interested in that. Isn't that something? Well, it's a big risk to take, but you have to be prepared, and you have to have a guide like you had with Lillian. And still, it, I mean, for your life's purpose, it sounds like this was so much a part of what you were meant to do. It would seem so. Other people recognized it before I did, if you see what I mean. People who came with me on the journey said that very, those very words. This is obviously what you were meant to do. You were meant to come to Girona, meant to meet the man, meant to follow him through this work, meant to write the books, and then eventually to go on the journey of the portal. And then from there, go to the center of it all, which is the stone cradle. Now, we got to get to that because that, is something that I have never heard about from anybody but you. You are the one, you're the authority on this. And so we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I also want to touch on a couple things. This portal that you experienced was a natural portal. That's what you call it, a natural portal. It was a natural portal. It's a very large portal. It contains, it's right on the peak of Kanigu. Kanigu is um, 3,000 meters up, you know. Um, it, well, it's a very high mountain. It's um, To get to the summit, you've got to go above the tree line. The summit is very small. It's like a dance floor, really. It's so small. You have to go up there. There is the portal. And to go through that portal, you you encounter quite vivid and powerful things from the area around. And if you think that that area, Kanigu, was the highest point of all the Cathar activity and many much of the history, the Inquisition, lots of things were going on through history around that place. So it carries all that. So it's a powerful portal. There are smaller ones. I suppose in a way it's like a game of snakes and ladders, you know, where you see thick snakes and thin snakes. Some portals are smaller um, and others are much larger. But this is very much a natural portal. And it is, you know, it's not for nothing. The mountain's called the sacred mountain of the Catalans because it has its own magic. So these are natural portals that exist on Earth. And we are also going to talk about the fact that some people decided they were going to make their own portals. We're going to get to that tonight, too. But first, we have a question for you from the chat room. Uh, Carol has written in, and she said, Are there physical remains here on Earth when an individual implodes as a result of unsuccessful portal entry? Yes. Two times I know of, um, one very sadly about two and a half years ago, of someone who went on his own. Um, Certainly his body was found, but it would seem as though some almost like inner explosion had happened. Another time somebody went through and they had what seemed to be a heart attack Another time, someone was, like, burned. It, it had no signs of what had happened quite. There was My no goodness. reason. Yeah, there's, there's been... But, look, those are kind of warnings in a way. And the guide said, 
shortly before the first man died, you have to go with a guide. It's a, it's a privilege to go through the portal. It's something you never forget. It adds to life. It gives life a much bigger, vast experience. But you've got to have the humility to go with the guide and listen. That's really it. And, Patrice, I must say that your experience of the portal, it feels to me that it has connected you in such a major way with source energy because let me tell you why. <laughs> when when you speak, you were on our show a couple of years ago when Helene Olson was alive and it was the most amazing thing as it is tonight listening to you because PK and I are listening to your words as is our audience. But there is an incredibly powerful stream of energy that's also coming from you at the same time. Exactly. Yes. Can you feel it? It's powerful. Most definitely. In fact, I was going to ask her the question about the guides that keep taking people through. What, uh, how does it affect them overall since they do it more than once? Um, I feel they, they see it as a, an advance in, in their lives it's um a promotion they don't go through with you through they take okay, you to the I portal see. so they take you to and then they you go through they take you to the portal they're there mm-hmm. when you return they don't go with you once you okay. into the portal there is another guide on the other side of life who is there waiting for you that person will give you give you a commentary on what is happening and will explain something, maybe give some advice. I mean, on the particular portal journey, um, go that one, um, I, I, I was given, I was offered a white swan feather by a man with a, um, a white, he had a white dusty wig. He looked like um, someone 17th century, like a, an academic, and he handed me the... The, sw- the swan feather, white swan feather. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with it. And then I, I sort of, my thinking was, shall I take it? And then I heard the guide who is a person I knew on this earth who had passed over into spirit. And Excuse he said, me. I think one, you should take it. Uh, Patrice, one second. We are going to have to break away for a very oh. short commercial break in just a few seconds. But I want to Again, urge everybody to stay tuned to this fascinating conversation we're having. You guys are really going to have, continue to have an incredible experience for the rest of the evening with us. So stay tuned and we will be right back. Be sure to join us in the chat room. Call the number if you have a question to ask. We'll be back. Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Just a reminder that Inception Radio Network is on Twitter. Follow us at I underscore R underscore N and keep up to date about who's on tonight, what interviews they'll be doing, who's guest spotting, what topics they'll be covering. Tweet to us, tweet about us, retweet topics to your friends, and most importantly, never miss a great show again. That's I underscore R underscore N. 
computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. Inception Radio Network. Would you like your favorite show to be played again live on air? Well, now the choice is in your hands. With IRN's live request portal, an easy way to request your favorite show with a simple click. IRN's live request portal now gives you exclusive access to all the shows. How easy is it? Simply type a show name or a guest name, click request, even write a dedication message, and that's it. Try it now. Simply visit InceptionRadioNetwork.com, click on the Live Request tab under the Show menu. Now playing your favorite show is just a mouse click away. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to Facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. everyone. I am your host, Patricia Baker. We are here on Supernatural Girls Radio. I am here with my fabulous co-host, PK, Patricia Kirkman, and our incredible guest that we're so honored to have on our first show for Inception Radio Network, Patrice Chaplin. We are talking about portals and all kinds of exciting paranormal things tonight. And Patrice, during the break, we were all talking about where these portals are. And you said you knew of three more. So do tell, where are these other portals? Well, I know that there's one in Paris, you know, by the Gare Saint-Ostelitz. There's one which is a narrow portal, which goes back only probably into the 50s, not very far back. It's go, but it certainly goes into another time down a long corridor. It's a, a kind of very different experience. It's supposed to be a bad portal, and it's where there's a lot of drugs and substances available. People go there because they have a much bigger hit when they're taking stuff in that oh, place. Really? Mm. And that was I'm I went there once and I'm I sped out of there because it was um it was an hallucinatory place that I felt you got in there, you didn't easily come out, you got sucked into it. That that one was not good news. Um and they call it a shallow portal, but people had such a high experience there that they they, they would go there. They they would risk and get quite fixed on going there. The second is, now this I heard about, I, well, no, I did visit it too, but I didn't experience it. Gramercy Park Hotel, the old Gramercy Park Hotel, before it was done up in New York. That was where there was a portal experience in that hotel. Really? Yes. Oh, my. And then the other one that I have personally um, experience is at Marylebone in London, Marylebone Churchyard, where there's a tree, a plain tree, which is um, amazing, where there's a long portal which goes to the top 
of Primrose Hill. This is in North London. And it's where Blake stood and had the vision of Jerusalem. And he wrote about the portal just by this plane tree, just in front of the church. It's got a very powerful atmosphere. And many people have gone there and had the experience of being drawn in. So it's not so much that you go there looking for a portal or looking for this aperture, which sometimes is open, sometimes closed, but it's by being there, you're kind of drawn into another state of being. And I think people there don't discuss it openly. It's, it's near a, a, a healing church, and they admit that they, there are wonderful healing possibilities there. That portal is beautiful. It has many of the historical elements of the time there. But again, you see, the thing about a portal journey is you start with now, you go back through very fast through this life, into the past lives and into bigger lives where you more vivid, where you don't, you know you've been there, you know you are there, but you don't really recognize you've gone into that other experience of thought and soul connection. That's the point. And then you come to a definitely an edge of another space altogether which is leading out into vast spaces and vast beauty in many cases, things that we cannot actually see unless we've gone through the portal. We wouldn't be able to see them as we are now. I haven't done that, but other people have. They've explained it. It sounds wonderful. I would love to do it. Now, when you are out there in on the other side of this portal and you have a guide, does that guide tell you when you need to come back? No, it comes, it's a, a part of myself from having trained enough with the guide, done enough work. In my case, I did it for six to eight weeks. Um, when I was, I, I held a cane, it was a, it was a, um, it was a, 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 yes, it was a cane, actually a cane. It was made from a, a tree, it was whittled down from a tree and I, I knew when it was time to come back with my back to the north. I, it was like a sense. It wasn't a voice. It was a sense. Come back. You've gone too far. Don't go further. It's very attractive, but come back. And, and I'm quite, actually, quite, I'm quite prudent by nature. I mean, I wouldn't take the high jump and end up on Venus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> some people do not me right well that's that is a good thing i think and especially in this case so these are the natural portals that you know about that you've identified and there are though there well i don't know how many there are but in the united oh, states loads. i mean there must be loads really loads. loads okay yeah all right so there's but loads of them they come in especially in clusters i don't think they're isolated I think they come in clusters, and I think that some of them are not very good to to um, advance into. There, there, there are magnificent portals, apparently, 
which um, would are so powerful that we, again, would implode, we would be crushed by just the power of them. And they're surrounded by atmospheres that when you approach, make you feel ill, make you feel unwell. So you don't go any further, you go back. Right. And it's a lot to do with the grid. Are you familiar with the Hartman grid and the measurements? Um, he was a German doctor who made the grid of the numbers that we could traverse as human beings, you know. And there are actually there aren't very many when it comes to it. That really? We can do as you, yeah. And at sort of below number 11, we're kind of sort of all right, but not, you know, if we go below eight, we're, we're in trouble. And these are just like a thermometer reading almost. Mm -hmm. And if you go higher up, you can be in, in well-being, say, for up to 14. When you get to 18, you're at the beginning of the unknown. And for that, you have to be an adept or a very, very powerful spiritual master to go beyond that. And that is apparently the beginning of the portal. That's oh. where it starts. So you can see that if you get a magnificent portal, which do, does exist, we couldn't approach it because it's too strong for us. Right. It would be something we would feel we need to back away from. But then here we are in the United States and Howard Hughes has yes. been known to get involved with some pretty wild things. Now, there have been some stories that circulated about Howard and the CIA and some German scientists that decided it would be a good idea to create a portal here in the United States, and you have some information on that. Can you tell us as much as you know of what happened? Well, I, I, some of it. <laughs> I can tell okay. some of it. Um, <laughs> well, I know for a start that he, he came to Girona, um, and that was around uh, 33, 1933. And that was with the that was with the German writer Otto Rahn, and he was certainly looking for the portal. And he went to Girona, and there are accounts of him being in Girona, and also um, people from the church who put him up, you know, for a night or two. They got to know him quite well. What he spoke, I don't know. They must have spoke English, I guess. Now the people in Girona. They called him El, El Americano, the American, but they didn't really know who he was. And even when they were told he was Howard Hughes later on, it didn't mean anything to them because it sure. wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and the thing, he he was looking for the journey. He, he was looking for the journey along the 11 sites to the portal, which I've written about in the book, The Portal. He wanted to do those. I rather think he didn't do those. So he went and got a boat from Scotland and went to the south of the equator. He called it the Southern Cross. And he did the journey on the south of the equator. And it was, in fact the journey of the Southern Cross, which is apparently the same as the one in the north over the Pyrenees, over around Girona, which is the constellation of the Great Bear and the Seven Stars. So he did it on his boat. Now, people said he also came back in 53 because that's when Ava Gardner was filming Pandora with James Mason. And 
whether he came or not is I don't know. I have no no guarantee of that, but I certainly hear quite a lot about him being there in '33. Now he was interested in the portal for the very simple fact that you could go through the portal and arrive instantaneously beyond time in other states of being and this fascinated him and I was told again that he didn't have any fear any fear at all about those magnificent things like the big journeys he wanted to go faster and further than anyone else into the sun into where wherever it took him he wanted to be there and yet you know, he'd look at a cockroach in a room and think it was a dinosaur. Oh, my and goodness. Be so scared. You see, that was something <laughs> probably to do with the um, with the whole business of the change of time and condition that we go through if we are going into other space. You know, we can't just do it. We have to be prepared and really go through the practice. Now, he did also, because he... He must have had some experience as a portal on Kanigu because after the war, Second World War, he sent German scientists there to get all the measurements and the, well, velocities, all the scientific facts of the portal and bring it over to him in the States. And he had a... Um, um, a building um, which had a, a vast basement where he made replicas of the portal. And I heard about this from someone in NASA who phoned me after I'd written the book City of Secrets when it came out in America. The first thing he asked me, he phoned, I was phoned by that, by that um, establishment and asked, had I come into contact at any time with artificial portals. Well, no, I hadn't. I'd only come into contact with a couple of normal ones. You know, I didn't know. And the man told me, well, it was an aviator who'd gone to Spain and had got the, all the facts and the, the measurements and the structure of a real portal and replicated it in America and forgot had forgotten one vital thing which was the quarantine and the quarantine was the thing that makes the portal safe so there we have a um we have a a portal without a quarantine which has instant access of, of going out but it also allows things in oh boy and yeah it's scary well, that was scary because what came in was, well, it was called the black box. And within in it was a picture, apparently, of or a, some a drawing, some, some well, let's call it a drawing, some description of a being who would be coming here 50,000 light years away. He, the being is 50,000 light years away and would be coming here when that time, 50,000 light years was up, he'd be on Earth and, and he wanted to say hello. Well, I I heard that. It sounded good. I mean, I just yeah. thought, well, Stop you know. It, say hello, 50,000 well, light yeah. years away. Sure, it but, sounds very friendly. But, <sighs> but then he did say, the man, he said that there was a calamity, uh, no, mishap, 
a mishap. He used a rather guarded phrase, you know, it was a mishap occurred because the portals had no quarantine or no immunity. So other things got in, but the mishap later sounded like the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, you my goodness. remember that was made into oh, a film? Yes. 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 That was about lost time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, and invisibility as well. Right. Yes. And then he, he asked me if I did come across artificial portals to let them know because they wanted to destroy them because they were um, unwise for the planet. I do know other things about Howard Hughes because I know someone who flew planes with him who is still alive. So I heard a lot of stuff about Howard Hughes. So Now, you, you mentioned, uh, Patrice, when we were all speaking earlier, that it wasn't that Howard was insane at the end of his life, that actually what happened to him and created imbalance was more to do with his experience with the portals. That's what I was told by the, um, the, the aviator that he's actually Norwegian. He told me that Howard was never mad. He was simply... He's simply gone through too many of these holes and came back the same age or younger, and it had done him in. You know, he'd seen too much. And his nerves were definitely frazzled. You know, he was very, he was wired, very wired. I think his basic numbers, you know, his grid had been changed by his activities because obviously he probably didn't do any preparation. He probably didn't know about it. So he would just go and do, just jump in, I would imagine. I mean, just thinking that's probably what he did. So he had no, he had no immunity himself. And really, seeing it as a, a child, he was ill often and had to be in quarantine. It's strange that he didn't have though that sort of... Um, uh, you know, a protection. Or protection. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the portals. This is what one of the Spaniards told me. They said they commented on that. But I, as far as I know, he his portals were to. He called them path. No, we couldn't pathways. Pathways, and he wanted to go through to other other experiences, other places, and it would seem very much as though he had succeeded. And I feel, too, that other people, well, what I'm told is other people have taken up the material so that they, too, can go through today. You know, that's what they want to do. Because you can't, you know, if you think you want to go to Venus, for example, which is the the main um, the main part of the, the constellation, the Great Bear, Venus plays a very big part over Girona. Now, if you wanted to go there, to Venus, you actually wanted to go there, it would take rather a long time. If you're using the the portal experience, you're there beyond time, you're there immediately. So it sort of makes sense. It would be a very useful way of going from one place to another, wouldn't it? Yes. It's like Star Trek, beam me up. But again, with Howard, yes, but with Howard, it sounds like, as you mentioned, that he had been through a lot of times without any quarantines. Now, when you say quarantine, what's a quarantine? How did they enact quarantine around a portal? I mean, he didn't, but it sounds like others did. How do you do that? No, I don't think anyone does. I think it's naturally there. Okay. It's a natural quarantine of its own in the portal. So... 
what happens is things coming through take a lot longer to arrive than they would if there's no quarantine. It just you know, it doesn't jump in. It evolves. It comes in as safely so that the planet isn't at risk. And now, likewise, going out, you've got to have done your prep, so you you you're you're again safe to go through into that experience. And if you're not, it's not good news. Exactly. And when Howard created these portals, you're saying he built them, but was there some talk about people blowing holes through the dimensions to create them, that it was um, kind of a violent experience creating some of these portals artificially? That I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know how he did it. Um, I know that he did do the traveling, that he got, I mean, he had, according the 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 person the aviator. Well, well, he was he was a young man. He was born in born in Norway. Came from Norway. He was in. He, he flew planes, and he was brilliant. He was seventeen, and um, the U.S. Air Force took him. Asked him to come and test the heavy jets. So he came over. I suppose that would be in the fifties. I would think fifties or early sixties. Anyway, he he came to work for the. Um, for, for the American Aviation Company. And Howard Hughes took a liking to him and wanted him to work for him. But he didn't. He stayed with with the Air Force and occasionally saw Howard Hughes. And, and they were, he said we would go out together and talk about planes and we'd fly planes. We never went out looking for chicks, you know. So <laughs> it seemed that their whole... And he stayed around him um, right up until the end, you know, until... Well, not during the time he was in, in, in his hotel room on Codeine and so on and protected on all sides. But he certainly was around him and he said he was never, ever ever mad he was brilliant and he went once to the um it must be i guess montauk or something like like yeah i guess it was that and um there was a huge um this this huge space underground which was almost as big as manhattan and there was in there the cia there were german scientists there were soothsayers clairvoyants <laughs> sort of um an amazing scientist from Germany, um, people to do with Tesla. There was um, all kinds of uh, a mixture of people. Oh, and, of course, um, Jack Parsons. Yes. Um, and and there were, and Howard would appear, I guess, in his pajamas, you know, like the top or the bottom or both parts together and the hair and the nails and all that. But no one took <laughs> notice. And he just got on with the things he wanted to do. So they were they were looking for ways of of um, of transforming time and space well, so that we weren't trapped by the boundaries of the planet. It's interesting because he ended up really disregarding a lot of the physical body needs towards the end of his life. And it kind of makes sense for what you're saying, that all of these trips he took through the portals, sounds like it disconnected him from that somewhat. So he had no care about his physical body. Is that possible? I um yes, I did ask um, the, the pilot about that from Norway. I said, is... Um, what happened with the, you know, the nails and the hair and all that. And he said, 
he just he just didn't notice it. He just didn't have anything to do with it. It was something he couldn't even. He probably ceased to feel that he was a being in the human sense. A lot of the time, that's what it sounds like. Mm. That, that is exactly what it sounds like. But you know, he wanted the best for the planet, and when he was young, he wanted to have um, non-toxic travel. He wanted cars not to have fumes or or gasoline smell. Mm -hmm. He wanted planes to be um, clean. He didn't want to pollute the atmosphere. That was another big thing about Howard Hughes. And so he wanted good results and good outcomes for the planet. Definitely ahead of his time. Yes, absolutely. Was and there... Go ahead, P go ahead, PK. Was there any fear of, when you go through the portal, of bringing back any illness or any uh, anything that would be uh, a problem for us at this side because of not having no. faced it before? No. Not if you're going through, well, you, you, cannot, you can't go through in your, with your physical sort of animal gravity-ridden body, as they call it. <laughs> so right. you can tell we're not exactly, as human beings, we're not that popular. But in the astral, on the astral plane, our spirit, our etheric body, oh, yes, go we go through on that. That's what we go through on the body stays outside right. and the, the etheric goes in. The, conscious, the consciousness goes in. The bit we okay. take with us after death, that goes in. And we, we're very acutely aware and alive and it's never, ever forgotten that journey. So when you come back, you don't come, the only thing you would bring back would be a yearning to go to return to it, perhaps, um, huge dreams, which would be mm, perhaps too too much, really, for a while, but they settle down. A sense of time disorientation to some degree. But the adepts, we've got to remember the ones who've really worked, the, the ones who have done the fasting and all the preparation and spiritual meditation and the lifting out of the body, all of that, those people don't have any any ill effects afterwards. They go beyond death. So that training really pays off for them. They have no problem at all traversing these interdimensions. That's, yeah, well, it makes sense. Everything that you're saying makes perfect sense. So for all of our audience members listening to this, Patrice is giving you some really good advice on how to proceed if this is something that you're planning to do to make a trip to one of these portals. Make sure you have a guide. Make sure you take the necessary steps for spiritual progression. This is a very, these are very important points that you're making, Patrice. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to take another short break. So everybody, stay with us. My goodness, this is so incredible, this conversation that we're having tonight. Thanks to Patrice Chaplin, PK. We are having one heck of a Absolutely great first show. Yes. So everybody, please stay tuned. If you want to join us in the chat room, please feel free. We'll ask your questions for you. If you want to call in, call in. We'd love to hear from you. And stay tuned, everybody. We will be right back. The Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. 
coming up tonight, did you? Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic. Follow IRN on Twitter, I underscore, R underscore N, and get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week. That's I underscore, R underscore N, and never miss a great show again. Hi, can you hear my voice? Imagine how many other people can hear it too. If you have advertising needs, then look no further. The Inception Radio Network currently has openings for on-air advertisements and radio show sponsorships. Giving any thought to your target demographic? Inception has you covered there, too. Advertising on a network gives you multiple opportunities to advertise on a wide variety of radio show broadcasts, and we have one to fit every advertising need. You know, in recent years, Internet radio has exhibited a phenomenal listener growth. An Arbitron Edison survey shows that online radio boosts at least 33 million unique visitors each week and 54 million each month. And that number amazingly continues to grow. And these listeners are a part of many businesses' core demographics. And surveys have shown that Internet radio listeners are far more likely than regular radio listeners to spend money on a whole range of activities. You know, Internet listeners vote, they dine out and eat fast food, and they grab a cup of coffee. And here's the interesting one. They buy items online at a much higher rate than all other market segments combined. Internet radio also enables businesses to connect with consumers during work hours, where increasingly more lifestyle decisions are being made. Advertise with the best. The Inception Radio Network offers competitive advertising rates to fit just about anyone's advertising budget. Stop by today at www.inceptionradionetwork.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-919-2355. Get the word out. Get results with the Inception Radio Network. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Patricia Baker, on Supernatural Girls Radio. I am here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman. You can reach Patricia at her website, patriciakirkman.com. And we are speaking with our most incredible guest, Patrice Chaplin, is here with us. And we are talking portals. We're talking Howard Hughes, the CIA. If you miss the beginning of the show, you're going to have to catch it on the archive You don't want to miss one word of this show. So, Patrice, here we are talking about now the stone cradle. You've mentioned it a couple times, but we want to know what is the stone cradle. You have a book coming out. It's not out yet, 
but we will be announcing it when it's available. But please give our audience some sense of what this is. Is it a real object? Yes, indeed it is. It's a meteorite in the shape um no, it is in the shape of the cradle. I thought when I first saw it, it was a fruit dish, like a huge dish for fruit. And it, it rocks from side to side. It's blue and it's completely smooth. It's un, untouched by any kind of fault or line or discoloration. And it's it's supposed to have been one of the oldest stones. Well, it's not it's supposed to be. It is one of the oldest stones on the planet. And it was, they believe it came through about, well, five, ten million years ago, maybe more. And it's it's the only, only meteorite in the area which is full of standing stones and dolmens and stones that go back thousands of years ritual stones, all kinds of stones, but mainly they're granite with quartz inside. Now, this meteorite is something on its own, and it is um, in the shape of a, a containing stone that you can lie on and be held by. Um, it does rock. Um, the other thing, it has nutrients. Some st um, stones have different qualities to them. It has certain nutrients which help people who are ill. And in the old days, and I'm going back to 100, 300 years, people from the locale of the, of the meteorite used to go and lie there when they felt they were dying. In fact, they died there. They had kind of quite a good death there, it seemed. And also sick children were placed there. It Originally, it held a child of light. And that child of light came to this planet in about 5,000 plus years ago. Of course, some people think it's Lucifer. And in Spain, there is a shoemaker's guild, which is one of the old guilds, that do um, worship what is called luth, light, which is considered to be luciferic. Now, the, the child of light came to the planet, lay on the cradle and was nurtured by a woman, well, a, a goddess or an actual female from the east, and the child came here to to help mankind to lift up into the etheric, into the healing, into a higher state of consciousness. So whatever was around 5,000 plus years ago, they certainly increased their potential as, as beings. And the, the other thing known about the Child of Light definitely was there at the beginning of the first building of the first pyramid in Egypt and did start what is known as schools. Now, the, he, the being trailed light around the planet, which was beneficial and healing and lifting and evolving, that is finite now. It's It's... 
diminishing. And one of the things, one of the main purposes of the adepts is, and, and these um, most evolved beings that work here in the rituals for the portal, one of the things they do is to increase, to keep going that light. So the trails of light are kept going by their activity and by their thought and by their well-being and healing. Now, that how is, beneficial it is, you know, to the rest of the planet, I don't know, but it certainly is something that many people have sought, including Otto Rahn, including definitely Howard Hughes, including people who have come there, like John Cocteau found the cradle. Um, they thought at one point it could be the the the, the stone the third eye of Lucifer that fell when he uh, descended to earth, that, that is the cradle. But that's, again, part of a myth. The actual cradle is an actual stone. Dali said it has, Salvador Dali, the Catalan painter, artist, you know, well-known in America, to, I mean, he said it had 23 dimensions. And if you think we've only got four, supposedly then that's rather, it has rather a lot of powers. It can be definitely invisible at times. We can't see it always. Now, I have so many questions, as I know our audience does, and I see other questions lining up in the chat room, but we're all going to have to buy your book, The Stone Cradle, when it comes out. But Most in the definitely. Oh, yeah. And in the Ooh. meantime, but here's, here's a question. Did that light being, did he, he or she have a name? Well, Lucifer was the one that comes comes to mind mostly with people. I don't I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. It wouldn't be for, you know popular with the church. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't sure. have a name. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm told it's the child of light. I'm told the society that look after the being. It was called the inheritors of the child of light. So it isn't really, it's a, it's a good purpose here. It's an unfolding of what we can experience here. It's something which really helps the planet. So it's not a, it's not a bad thing, but it's certainly powerful. And there are people, there are mediums who are so powerful, they can go back to the time when the child was in that stone cradle. And it has a direct link with Venus, and Venus is said to send communication to that place where the cradle is from time to time. And it's seen as light, light in a way that we normally would not expect it to be. I cannot wait for your book to be available to everybody. This is something that has really never been written about before, to my knowledge. No, and, I don't think so, no. Mm. Yeah, and this is a very unique and very powerful subject. Now, just to tie up what you're doing with the Stone Cradle now, you were saying that there are scientists and astronomers that have contacted you to be brought to the Stone Cradle because it communicates with other planets. Can you tell exactly, us yes. a little bit about that? Not a lot, because um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I understand why they want to go there. Because obviously, the the the, the passage of space between here and 
Venus would be mo most beneficial, you know, to any kind of experiment and travel. I could see why that's um, useful, and it's directly in line with with Venus, and also with the earlier pole star Chuban. And the other the other important um, uh, set of uh, I, I don't know what you call Draco. Draco's a you know the dragon Draco was a mm, an earlier earlier kind of um, star system, I believe. Draco, isn't it? I'm I'm not yes. quite sure. I believe so. Anyway, that that was that is also part of it. Now the the thing really is, it would no one would ever know about the stone cradle if they hadn't have gone through the portal and arrived at that point where it is. The journey would have to be made out of the portal and continue round back towards Girona. And they're in the center of two, like the Pisces, Versica Pisces, in the center of two overlapping circles. There we have it. There's the place of the cradle. Nothing around, nothing for miles except dolmens and standing stones and very, very old trees. So, you know, things... Things that we think in thousands of years back. Incredible. Well, this is quite a story that you are telling in your new book, The Stone Cradle. And we will let everybody know when it's available because this is something really brand new to the paranormal community, as far as I can tell. And I know people are going to be more than chomping at the bit to get a hold of your book. So you let us know as soon as it's out. Because I do want to leave a little bit of time here, Patrice. Of course, you have another book. <laughs> Yet one more new book that we need to talk about. And this is another exciting adventure that you have written about. And tell us about this latest book. This is fabulous. Well, that's the fortune seller, the fortune and it's about seller. a yeah. It's about a um, what is it about? Well, it's about a true story of a performer who fell fell from fell from fame after two hits. You know, there were two big hits, and and nothing. She went out of fashion. She went out of date, and so there was nothing more coming out of her that was succeeding and except the only thing that was succeeding were her, was her overdraft. So she was really broke and she had to take work. She didn't want to do a backing singer. She didn't want to do any of the, you know, the lower stuff that would come to her. She couldn't, she couldn't, not after her career. So she did um, work as a telephone psychic, a nighttime telephone psychic. She had no idea about how to be clairvoyant, but she realized if she just read the cards for the person on the phone, who could tell whether she was right or wrong because they were telling the future. So after a while, she learned some of the some of the old fashioned spread she like she learned from other clairvoyants how to read how to read the you know the ordinary playing cards yes like the the, the amazing spreads that they had like the things called the surprise or the seven card spread there were there are things that we don't have today that though these were used by these really, really very good clairvoyants. And also, again, of course, the tarot. And um, 
and how to see, how to attune and see what is there, how to actually use time in a way where you suspend it so you're not on ordinary clock time so you can you can get the messages from other places the guides and you pick up of course the all the kind of energies of the person you're speaking to all you've got to do is the attunement it's a bit like going through a portal really and she learned some of that but the thing about it is that she did a reading for a very enigmatic, rather classy reader. And that that client, rather, not reader, client. And that led to an obsessional love beyond the grave. Further than death, it led to something absolutely never to be expected. And that's what that book is about. So it's about clairvoyance, and it's a supernatural thriller. It's And it's a great book because, again, both PK and I have had the luxury of having previewed it. It's excellent. Yes. Now, that, that book is available right now on Amazon.com and probably at your local bookstore. And, again, another great book from you, Patrice. And I have to say, when, when we read your books, we really feel drawn in to the world that you're telling us about. It is much more than just reading it. You're right there with you. And that's mm -hmm. because of your ability as a writer. You're so amazing. But what? how about this? Can you share with our audience, because I know they've all been waiting for this, how can we increase our own psychic abilities? How do we tune in? If we can, we may okay. not be able to go to Girona, but we may not <laughs> be able to take that trip to the portal. But how do we do this? Attunement. It's letting go. It's, it's, first of all, it's the breathing. You've got to let go of the out breath. Just let it go and trust your body's going to breathe in for you. And you've got to cover yourself with protection, gold light from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You've got to just not concentrate, but contemplate. And maybe on a um, like a flame, a flame is a good one, or a bronze bowl, something just that you can look at, close your eyes, see it in your mind and let it go. Then you attune, so you become aware of and you can see in a slightly different way, almost like a daydream state, the being in front of you. You will receive imprints. Now, the imprint is important because it's not your imagination that's working here or your thoughts or some desperate, you know, clamoring for a message or something to tell the person, no. This is about just receiving um an imprint or a feeling that you can always locate again. So you know it's not come from in you, it's come from outside into you, into your mind, and you pass on that to the person. One of the best ways of actually, I think, of developing, and one takes time about developing as a clairvoyant, it needs time, but it's psychometry. Now, if you pick up, something belonging to the person that only they've used and you hold it, go with the first image you get. Just hold the object and just, what's your first image? Then put the object down. Trust your first image. 
Of course, the cards are useful. There are um, the cards are in a, um, a language. Each each card is a part of an alphabet, so they form a language. You learn to read it. I would throw the the textbook away, you know, the guidebook, because everyone has their own way of reading. That's true. Yes, As, you know, I, we know that death, you know, death it doesn't isn't the death card. That's change. Everyone looks at that and points and goes, "Oh, when when is that going to happen to me?" <laughs> Well, right. <laughs> well, it's going to happen, but not when that death card is there, because that's change. Right. So, and, and the, I think the thing, too, is it's beneficial because it opens people up. And it, it opens us up to another way of seeing and hearing. So we on a much more vivid level and a plane of existence. So I think it's a very beautiful thing to do. There are many sort of pitfalls with it, but um, they can always be uh, re readdressed, you know, as you go along. Um, the main thing is to trust your intuition, your attunement, and your guide, because you will, as time goes on, receive information about your guide, who, after all, is handing this from spirit. We couldn't get it just by thinking. I mean, if you think about it, if we were thought readers, we'd rule the world, wouldn't we? We'd know what we're oh, yeah. thinking. Yes. I mean, that's, the, right. that, that's the best way, one of the best ways, but it is about taking time to tune in. That's really what it is, isn't it? And, all those, and then to use your chakras, you know, go into the top, you know, the, the crown of the head. And even higher, we've got higher chakras than the crown of the head. There's two, three, four above. That will take us even further. But again, do it kind of slowly and with some with someone who can develop clairvoyance or a healer will do it. I mean, there's lots of ways. And there is a qu another question for you, Patrice, from the chat room that goes right along with what you're sharing with everyone tonight. She would like to know, is there a specific institute or a site for training as one sets out upon the path to visit the portal? Is there some place to go where you can learn what to do? Well, that's a good question. There are. But mostly they come to you. That's the thing. It's it's. I think if, for example, you go into Girona, you would you would know quite soon about those who do the journey. That's for sure. Or you can go with a medium who would be able to help you on that journey. But to actually do the going through the portal, you've got to get the right. You've got to get the guide. There's no question. So I feel that that is something, I mean, I can't just give a, an address and a postcode because I've been in a lot of trouble. So <laughs> it's mainly a private enterprise. Let's just say into the area, into the area, and then you're going to find the place. You're going to find the guide. If you want to do it, it'll be there. Now, what about also with with the emotional body? There's often a lot of things going flying around with that. That's kind of like the rocket fuel that did Jack Parsons in. I mean, it's it's very volatile in the emotional mm -hmm. space for many of us. Do you recommend any kind of uh, emotional work? Any kind of 
counseling or rebirthing or anything that helps to clear out stuck emotional places and stuck emotional patterns? Yeah, so I think one of the best is a psychic baptism. Now, all you need to do for that is to get, get a, light a candle, get some sheets of paper, and write some write to somebody that you really are upset by. You know, someone who has left you, someone who's really harmed you, whatever. That that's one of the first things. Now, you just simply write what the worst things are that they've done. Just like you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. You know, it's not an essay. It doesn't have to be neatly written. Don't reread it. Sign your name at the end. Take it over to the sink. Take the candle. Burn the letter. So you've just got ashes there. Wash with cold water. Turn the tap on. Wash down some of the ash. And then throw salt on the plug. Because that's going to actually neutrify all the kind of angry negative vibes that would be a good thing to do definitely the spanish always do that then go for a walk around the block you work when you come back you may feel emotional you may not but within a few days you will have lifted up into a much lighter state that's number one it's old and it works the second thing is definitely rebirthing, and sometimes people, as you probably know, do it through breathing. Yes. Lying and just breathing and allowing your mind to go back into other times, other lives. That's pretty good too. Anything to do with clearing is excellent. Breathing is wonderful. As I said earlier about the um, letting go of the out-breath, and just letting it go of its own and trusting the body to breathe in, fantastic. Lots of meditation, that's that's a must. And keeping a notebook and writing down every day your thoughts and letting yourself free write so that they all go one to the other, to the other, to the other. That way you discover a whole inner self that you didn't, well, you know, because you feel it sometimes, but you don't really, you're not really familiar with it. Good to know. Good to know as much as possible about yourself going deep in. Um, other, th other ways of doing, doing it is chanting and sound. Sound is very, very clearing. The, you know, those sounds like F sharp, wonderful. Well, this I mean, is so many things, aren't there, really, that you can do? Yeah, these, yeah. Are, these are great. And the psychic baptism, I have never heard of that. PK, no, have you heard no, of that? I, that in itself is wonderful. It. It's fabulous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an old is... You can do several. I mean, you do several people that have really, you know, really hurt you. That's the one way to really clear it because you're carrying that hurt with you all the time. But you can't do them all at once. You've got to do one after the other. I'd leave a week or two between each. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're free. You see, what you're looking for is freedom. It's the same, the portal journey in, in its essence. It's vivid and marvelous and shows we have much more space, much more happening than what we see here on this planet. It's wonderful for that point of view, but also that we're free. That's we're it. Free yeah. 
That mm. is the key right there. And Patrice, I hate to say this because we are at the end of our show and I would oh. love to keep talking to you. And I know PK would too all night long. This has been an amazing experience with you. We will treasure this first show with you forever. And again, everybody go out and buy Patrice Chaplin's books. Each one of them is a treasure in and of itself. Get the portal and then get on the list for the Stone Cradle. Read the Fortune Seller. That's out right now. All of Patrice's books are listed on Amazon.com. I want to thank everybody for coming to the show tonight and supporting us in our first show on Inception Radio Network. And Patrice, a big hug to you. Thank you so Thank you. much. Yes, it's, it's been, an been absolute a delight. Joy. Yes. How lucky we are to Thank have had you. Thank you for all of you. Thanks for the listeners. Lovely to know you're there. Thank you. Thank you all. And everybody, stay tuned next week. We're going to be talking about Akashic Records. Until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>